Hey, it's me, Patty Rose, and I wanted to say thank you for supporting the podcast. Today, we launched the first live stream of the podcast on Facebook and YouTube. We ran into a little bit of technical difficulties. So the first about five or six minutes, there's a little bit of echo on Joe Bernie's uh, microphone. So if you can't handle it, then you can skip to the six minute mark. Uh, if you can, I appreciate you for supporting it. We cleaned it up as, as best we could at the end. So thank you so much for supporting and here we go. Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Welcome to the Spent the Rent podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is Lane County Commissioner Joe Bernie. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Good to be here. This is the first ever live stream broadcast on Facebook Live, broadcast on YouTube Live, and I also have it being broadcast on the 541 Community Facebook group, which is super exciting because it allows people a chance to comment and uh, kind of become more interactive with the show. Uh, if you're listening to this or watching this, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and wherever you're consuming this. Joe Bernie, thank you so much for doing this. Totally my pleasure. What are you talking about? So today I'm joined by an elected official who is seeking re-election to continue the work he is doing to serve the Springfield community. The last time I had you on was in January, and we had talked about how you had helped a young entrepreneur start his destiny as a business owner yep. with a video yep. game store. Now yep. fast forward five months, and it's go time in this election. This yep. is the campaign final stretch, and I, we're just going to start out. I want to talk to you about what these last couple of weeks have looked like. Um, um, lots and lots, lots of, of media, media, lots of interviews, interviews lots, of lots of questions and answers. And answers. Um, um, it's been, it's it's been, been a heck of a pace, and it will continue, continue and for another, what is it, 10 days or something like that? Yeah, how is this different than the last time you ran? Now, you ran against Sid Lichen, who is you know, a, a pretty prominent politician in our community, but how is this one different than the last time around? Well, running against Lichen, I was a total underdog. Nobody knew me. Um, it was a, it was a very, it was a strong upset. Back then, everybody that was a political observer or plugged in the community told me that my chances were slim to none, and just walked out the door. <laughs> this time, uh, and 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 Commissioner Lichen was. Um, Lazy. He was. I think that's why we won. He, he, he was very politically ambitious. He was always running for other things, and he sort of felt entitled to this position. This time I'm running against a guy that's not burdened with the truth, um, that is the most unchristian-like Christian minister I've ever heard of, um, that, that uh, is sort of the extreme right has coalesced around him to get their seat that they feel entitled to back. So, so you're going to be, be um, um, 
large corporate large structures, corporate structures big, money, big money, dark money. Dark money. Um, and uh, in my campaign, my campaign you're, seeing you're seeing the little guy the represented. Guy represented. Uh, so you'll uh, see a lot of associations, a lot of organized working groups, working groups. Um, you know, people that, that people represent that real, real people as opposed to corporate interests. It's a tougher campaign. He's very aggressive. Um, he'll say whatever it takes to win. Uh, and he's out there doing his thing. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the misrepresentations of your record. I know that when a campaign gets really tense and it's so close that it's going to get kind of ugly. Uh, so I watched the Springfield City Club forum, which if anybody's unaware, those Springfield City Club, the forums are great. And it's a great opportunity for people to get to know candidates in some of these smaller races. Lane County Commissioner is not a small seat. It's just a lot of times Congress and these and governor will overshadow uh, the coverage, you know, and so the Springfield City Club is doing some great forums. And I was watching one that you did with uh, David Lovall, and he was pretty clear that he's against, uh, for example, mail-in voting. Mm -hmm. And he showed very little understanding or even a willingness to learn about rank choice voting. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on mail-in voting and rank choice voting? Well, obviously, obviously I support mail-in voting. I support, I support any mechanism to allow everyone to express their sacred right to vote free from the persecution of anyone for any reason. Uh, so I obviously support that. And ranked choice, interestingly, I'm one of the few uh, people I know that also supports that. <laughs> I don't think it's as critical in an election such as this where there's only two candidates, but look at the governor's race. It's, it's crazy. There's something like 37 candidates. And what ranked choice voting does is it's a mechanism to get big money out of uh, political elections and to spend a hell of a lot less time politicians blasting the airwaves, which honestly I think is a distraction from getting on with life. Right. So one of his top priorities, and this is pretty alarming to me. <laughs> so one of his top priorities, he said, is to address, we're going to talk about housing for a second here. And one of the things that he said is that he is wellness first, housing earned. And I know he's not here to answer for that, but I think it's pretty clear that what he's implying is that he would be against the housing first model to address houselessness. So this is a two-part question. Are you for housing first? And what are some ways we can address houselessness? And also, I want to say for anybody listening, if they're unaware, I was unaware. Housing first, what it means is that if there's people that have found themselves without a home, that we're going to try to get them into a home first, and then we're going to deal with what got them homeless. You know, and so I kind of want to hear what you have to say about it. But I think that this is extremely troubling, the wellness first and housing earned model, because it seems well, kind of, you know, there's no empathy. It, it's nonsense. It doesn't work. All data demonstrates that it works for some people like at the Eugene mission, you know, there are people that that works for, but let's understand the notion of uh, wellness first housing earned is code for high barrier shelter only. And data demonstrates beyond a shadow of a doubt. And this County also is that, that you got to meet people where they are. You know, you, you got to provide shelter. And just because someone might have some behavioral issues, mental health issues, even addiction issues, whatever the issues are, that doesn't mean you don't treat them as a human being and try and shelter them from the elements. That's nonsense. The other thing that he has said, you know, he, he talks out of both sides of his mouth. The other thing that he said is that um, uh, the, uh, multiple times 
that we have a toxic charity arena and he's putting down the nonprofits like St. Vincent de Paul, like Relief Nursery, like Catholic Community Services, like Lane Shelter, the list goes on and on of nonprofits that the county partners with and provides dollars to, to provide housing, shelter and wraparound services to those in need based upon their need. So this housing, this, you know, wellness first housing area is not, it's just, a, it's just a nonsensical extreme right code. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't meet people where they are. And frankly, under my uh, direction right now and, and other commissioners, that's exactly the opposite of what we're doing. We're looking for a place for a behavioral health center. We're in, working with the sheriff's department for um, a crisis center to deal with crises as they're occurring, as opposed to putting people in jail right away. Um, it flies in the face of the philosophy of our public um, safety sector and our public health sector. It's nonsense. Yeah. And I mean, this is a nonpartisan seat. I'm not secret about my biases. I'm a Democrat, you know, and the reason that I've became a Democrat is because though I don't think that there's necessarily the answer, I think that that's the party that shows more empathy, you know, and I watched that forum and seeing the reaction, he was literally talking about the way that you deal with, with how homelessness is policing. Like that's the answer that is, is policing, you know? And yeah. I mean, and he literally said that he, you know, hopefully we could get the people help that need it. And then if they can't, that they'll move on. Like the problem will just go away. That's, that's mm -hmm. not a strategy. You know, and so it's the number one issue in Lane County, and it's not even close, is is homelessness. And to a lot of people, their reaction to it is the inconvenience and the eyesore, not about helping the individuals. And I think that David Lovell is an example of that. I want to uh, – if I – Go oh, ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, if I may, I agree with you, but it's just rhetoric. That's yeah. all it is. Now, versus we need to also start talking about – creating a new generation of starter homes for young people and families that are renting right now. And every day that they're renting and saving money for a down payment, the reality of owning their own home is getting further and further away from them because of the insanity of the current housing market. There are ways to do that. There are ways to partner with home builders, with fi local financial institutions, with county provided land, with this new middle housing zoning. We're in Springfield, for example, uh, we're looking at, 2,500 square foot lots as options to put smaller homes so families actually can get into something. That's, you know, that's a piece of it. Another piece of it is keeping our elderly, which I am one of now, are keeping our elderly in their homes for as long as they choose. Yeah, um, and, you know, the, the patrician, which I was able to save for 86 families, is just an example of that. Um, there are so many, and, and developing more publicly supported housing. Right now, Homes for Good, which I'm on the board of, we've purchased and own two properties in Glenwood, which are zoned for another 150 units of working family and elderly housing. I mean, if we're going to deal with the problem, let's deal with it substantively, not rhetorically. And that's my issue with, with his statements. Yeah. And then, you know, in your closing statements, uh, this is a tough one because if it's so, it needs to be articulated well to show 
it's about religion. It's about faith and and how it's used as a, a weapon, you know, by a lot of people on the right. I think you were really good in it. You had shared it. I wish I had it right in front of me. I don't. But in your closing yeah. statement, you had talked kind of, and I may be paraphrasing a little, and you can speak on exactly what you said. But you had said, hey, I don't believe that you have a monopoly on righteousness, you know, because a lot of times candidates will talk about it like as if they're the only person, first of all, that believes in God or is a Christian. And then second of all, that that even matters, you know, because we live in a country that is based on religious freedom. And so I want to I want to hear what your thoughts on that, how the campaigns this time around specifically against your candidacy is somehow that this guy is more righteous. What is what is your thoughts on that? Um, my thoughts are that the righteous are not always right. <laughs> yeah. Um, my thoughts are that um, there are two sacred principles in our democracy. One is the freedom to worship in, in your God in any way you choose. I am I I firmly believe that you don't. My opponent does this. He wears a, a neon sign on his sleeve or his chest that says. I believe in God. I'm more righteous than you. And personally, um, I find it offensive. It literally think, says that? No, but yeah. that's, the, that, that's, that's essentially what the message is. Yeah. Um, and I, I personally believe that every one of us um, that carries our God in our hearts for guidance and for comfort, uh, not for political, petty political advantage, um, I just I just find that offensive and disturbing because this country is founded upon religious freedom and religious tolerance. That's a part of what it's founded on. It's a sacred principle here without fear of reprisal or retribution from anyone that doesn't share your belief. And the second thing that was really offensive to me is there is a principle that you can vote uh, your conscience and your vote is, is is something that people can't scare you out of or frighten you out of or et cetera. And the whole notion um, to be against the universal access of voting by all of us, which mail-in voting in Oregon does provide, um, it, it's unfathomable, unfathomable yeah. to me. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it's crazy. And for, I want to say this real quick. I want to apologize if there's an echo. I'm getting some comments that there's a little bit of an echo. This is the first stream. So we're going to work out some kinks. So I appreciate everybody listening that's going to kind of deal with it because what's being said is super important. It needs to be heard. So we'll work out the echo too for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, we'll work out the, the technicals. But hey, I just appreciate you doing this. I even I even forgot to start my my pod, my audio version. Hey, we're working through this. No, you know, the mail-in thing was really startling to me because I just don't understand. It's so popular in Oregon. And and this rhetoric that David Lovell was saying about, oh, I think the community really is beneficial from getting together to vote. And it's like, there's so many reasons that mail-in is better. You can sit down, you can take your time, you can... The voter's pamphlet wasn't even printed last time around. Fortunately, it was this time, you know? And you can go online and you can find all kinds of information. And so I just, I'm a, such a huge supporter of mail-in voting that I was pretty alarmed when he had said that. Um, I was surprised too, because mail-in voting is not only is it popular, but it's more secure. Yeah. It's much easier to fraudulently vote um, if you're not doing it mail-in in Oregon. So that, that's, that was, there are a number of things that have startled me. Um, you know, there's another thing that that's pretty topical right now, and that's the leak of the Supreme Court decision to 
to uh, go back after 49 years of Roe versus Wade. And I was reading an interesting article about, you know, if they're, first of all, the, the vast majority of Oregonians, Republican and Democrat, are pro-choice, at least pro-choice in the first four months, right, of, of pregnancy. Um, and I kind of fit into that. But to have my opponent robocall people and tell them that I am for abortion into the ninth month of pregnancy is not only, again, it's a, it's absurd and it's offensive. Yeah. It, it's, you know, I don't know what to call that other than a lie. I yeah. really don't. No, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. The, and this has been used for decades. I, I remember my whole entire life that this has been something that's tried to been weaponized and, and whatnot because nobody's pro abortion period. You know, I mean, that's yeah, exactly. And I mean, we're Catholic. Give me I'm great. I'm glad that I'm glad that you brought that up because it's been <laughs> something that I haven't addressed a lot personally on social media, only because I think it's time to listen to women. <laughs> you know, and I think that it's time men do need to speak up and and speak out against what potentially could be happening. But I think that there's just a lot of strong voiced women that I think it's time to. Not time. It's been time that we need to listen to him. Like like it's Doyle Canning says. Doyle Canning says, "Can't wait. We can't wait." You know. You know. And it, it's time to listen to everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, and anyway, I'll that's what feminism you. is. Feminism is about equality. You know. You know. And that's what people they they use these words. I grew up in a household. My father is extremely conservative. He's he's coming around to where he wants to lower the temperature. You know. He's talking about like in Betsy Johnson, which is a step. It's a step in the right direction. But anyways, he listened to Rush Limbaugh when I was a kid, and the word liberal itself was a bad word, you know? And I'm like, that's – I don't know. But go well, ahead. I'm, I'm a little older than you. <laughs> three months. Yeah, yeah, yeah by three months. Right? <laughs> and um, uh, the whole partisanship now was not something that we grew up with. We didn't have family fights over whether you were a Republican or a Democrat over you, whether you were conservative or liberal, the discussions were more substantive over how do you solve problems? Right. What's the most pragmatic and fiscally responsible and sustainable way to solve problems, whether the problem is homelessness, whether the problem is environment, whether the problem is uh, developing more robust business opportunities with, with good wages and benefits for people, whatever the issue is, this this whole hyper partisanship that we're living in now is totally used by politicians for their advantage. That's the reason they're doing it, yeah. and I find that quite distasteful. Yeah, I've said it for a long time that there's there's a there's a difference in opinion on strategy in American politics, and outside of that, people are just being jerks. Like like we can debate the difference of opinion on what strategy is effective. Do you know what I'm saying? But outside of that, it's just all rhetoric. So uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. So I want to move on and talk about a little bit about the CETA board. You are, uh, you sit on the CETA board. CETA is the Springfield Economic Development Agency. And really the reason I wanted to bring this up was because I want to talk about if, so Dave, David Lovell is the owner property manager of a bunch of the businesses downtown Springfield. Correct. And I want to see if, if, Tell me, first of all, what CETA does. So the way that I've understood it is, is that they basically allot funds for like lighting and potentially murals and the decor and decoration of downtown. Is that correct? 
Um, not quite. That okay. Might so be what they've been doing, but that's not. First of all, CETA, Springfield Economic Development Agency, the board of it are all of the members of the Springfield City Council and the Springfield County Commissioner, myself right now. And um, it oversees what are urban renewal districts in Springfield, which really com compose of downtown Springfield and the Glenwood area. And it's it establishes, it gets technical, but the bottom line is it establishes dollars from the increase in property values in those areas to reinvest into economic development, to create jobs, to create more business, to create, you know, a stronger economy in those areas. Those areas are also designated as federal opportunity zones, which is another big deal because there are funds, which are opportunity zone funds that are ripe for investing in those areas because there are tax advantages for them to do so. Um, so that's what CETA and CETA oversees strategic investments to increase business, to increase housing, um, and to increase tax revenues from business uh, in that area. And do you think that if, I mean, I hope that you win, but if David Lovell is successful and wins the seat, would it be a conflict of interest, you know, with the businesses downtown? I mean, I guess. Of course, I, of course it would. Huge, huge, you know? And I mean, you had said in the forum that your concern, yes, what's happened downtown has been really good. The revitalization. And, and it's interesting to see how much credit David Lovell wants to take. There's a lot of players at hand in that. But, um, but that's not the only part of Springfield. I don't live downtown. I rarely go downtown, you know? And mm -hmm. so we need to make sure that we're having a broader viewpoint, I guess. Yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Um, on the most basic of levels, I divested myself of all my business interests. Actually, I retired before I ran for county commissioner. On the most basic of levels, there's a difference between one's private business interests or, or personal interests, the public interest, which is what county commissioners are supposed to represent, and conflicts of interest. And Lovell would already has conflicts of interest. This is a guy who um, all his money, other than for the Washburn building, is California money. That he's, that he's getting a small equity piece to be the property manager um, of, of those downtown buildings, which he participates in, number one. Wow. Number two, um, I've had so many, I mean, I at this point, it's probably majority of his tenants unsolicitedly contact me and give me horror stories about the kind of property manager he is but they don't want to have their names associated with it because apparently, and I didn't know this, he's also a pretty vengeful little guy. Yeah. And, and as a result, they don't want to deal with retribution. Um, so that, that's the most basic of levels. Number two, Lovell has gotten CETA subsidies for some of his investments. So he's already, you know, dipped into the taxpayer public trough to purchase the buildings he's purchasing. Number three, he's actually had the city close him down because he was going ahead illegally with renovations before permits were acquired. So this is someone whose business practices I question as someone who's created exponentially more jobs and has had more successful business experience than he. Um, 
but the the other what's what there was another point oh, there's another point I was getting to so that's the baseline but the next point is what's the vision how many funds do you know I know a bunch of them why is it? Why does the seed of property? Seed owns nine acres right on the river in Glenwood. Um, the previous CETA group, before I came on the board, we're going to put an indoor track there, which was going to be a nonprofit for a few people um, and would generate no revenues for the city. I was able to get an opportunity zone fund and one of the largest contractors in the state of Oregon um, and, and a whole host of others, including a lot of local architects, right, engineers, et cetera. And they developed a $300 million proposal to put 600 units of housing with a hotel uh, and a public park and public access to the river uh, in that area. And um, believe it or not, the CETA board voted five to three against doing that. Had they voted for doing that, we would be seeing construction now we'd be seeing the beginning of the building of 600 units, half of which would have been subsidized for working families and elderly. Um, so see, that could be a bigger deal than it is right now, but that's what it's all about. And that's the problematic nature if my opponent does win. That's a structural issue right there. You had mentioned, you know, some of the people coming to you personally and telling you that him as a landlord has been atrocious. Uh, one of the things that's made headlines is that some of the properties that he manages and owns, he had implemented a no political signage policy. Uh, I remember reading about this, and it was obvious that the intention was to prevent, you know, Black Lives Matter protesters or supporters to show their support by putting something in their window. You know, and there was a bunch of backlash about this, and I do think that it's a t- difficult thing to navigate as far as how to. Uh, I don't think Black Lives Matter is a political slogan, but that's a different argument. But when it comes to no political signage policy in a business, it's difficult to navigate as a business owner uh, or a property owner what the right move is because there is property damage that has happened in Oregon, you know, and things like that. But at the same time, it's not true that he wants a no political signage policy because if you go downtown, every inch that you look, there's David Lovell signs. So it's just, again, it's just hypocrisy at its finest. Yep. So absolutely, absolutely. You know, and then listening to what David Lovell said in the forum about uh, how to deal with marginalized people was troubling to me because he says, "Well, he's been to uh, Africa and a bunch of di- or whatever, a bunch of different countries uh, doing missionary work, which is great. Nobody's knocking that, but you have to understand that not everybody that's a person of color is also." is also struggling financially or is living in this, you know, third world reality. There's people that are thriving uh, business wise uh, that are still treated like lesser, (laughs) you know, and this is the whole problem of race, uh, systematic racism in our, in our area. And so I just want to ask you uh, how, you know, marginalized people in our area feel unheard from and what can be done to assure that they are heard from in, in future developmental projects. Well, um, you covered a range of topics. I don't know. How much I know. I kind of bounce around there. That's okay. Um, it was after the, apparently, I'd been told that my opponent 
required a whole block of his tenants to take down their Black Lives Matter signs on their windows, which it's their, they're renting the property. It's their First Amendment right. Um, during and after the Black Lives Matter protests that we had here in Springfield. <clears throat> and after that, I was told, he rewrote everyone's leases so there's no opinion signage. And therein lies another conflict. If you know you're going to run for county commissioner and you know most of your tenants are going to support your opponent, <laughs> um, you preclude them from doing that and then you drape your buildings with your own signs. This is sort of a classic example of the nonsense that I'm dealing with in this campaign, which makes it fundamentally different than my campaign four years ago. Um, but as it relates to, to um, you're talking about racism, well, let's understand what racism is. It's methods of excluding people from participating in this or that. So the mechanisms of exclusion so the way one deals with it is different. In county government, we have an equity initiative. And that equity initiative ensures that services get to populations that have been historically excluded. And we partner with different groups like um, Latino, you know, Latino America, what is it? Central Latino Americano with Eugene Springfield NAACP, with Catholic Community Services and the ARC, with a variety of groups. So that's in government, that's one way you do it. But in terms of the bigger economy, um, I've started doing that too in my community benefits agreement, which is now because it's state law after we pioneered it in Lane County, not only has it generated um, over $60 million staying in the county that otherwise would have left just, just since I instituted it because it prioritizes local spending, it also prioritizes diverse workforce. It prioritizes um, health insurance for workers. It prioritizes retirement for workers. And the way that you deal in that environment, Patrick, with historical racism is you make sure people have work opportunities and yeah. paths to work opportunities or paths to finance if it relates to banking. I mean, it depends on the situation because it's so pervasive. But all my life, I've worked for equal opportunity, and that's kind of the bottom line. Not bringing uh, a, an African-American from Africa here and parading him as your claim to caring about um, historically represented or underrepresented populations, yeah. and then him ending up on the streets, yeah. by the way. I mean, yeah, yeah. and that was I, – I don't, I don't know. Like no. he's like he's homeless and there's nothing we can do. I'm, I'm just gonna focus on me, not him. Yeah, I consider him irrelevant. Really, yeah. I truly do. Um, but at the same time, this is gonna be a very tight election because he's backed by people that want their seat back. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we've we've said enough about uh, David Lovell, and I think you're right. Let's let's focus on your campaign, and then we're gonna get some closing thoughts. One of the things that I've been noticing lately is just the widespread endorsements from a lot of the people in our uh, community, both both elected and just by citizen, you know, just average average Joes, no pun intended. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm proud to be an average Joe. <laughs> sure, but the, you know, I mean, you've had support from Peter DeFazio, you've had support from Sean Van Gordon, the mayor of Springfield, everyone on city council, is that correct? Is it every single person uh, no. on city council, except Oops. for maybe Joe Pish? Um, no, actually, that's not correct. Okay. Um, I've had, I, I am supported, not endorsed, 
you know, half of the city council endorses me, but I'm supported by all but one city councilor who is choosing to remain neutral. Um, and that's not who you mentioned. No, really? Uh, one of, yes. One of the things I take a lot of pride in is I'm not a fan of partisan politics, career politicians from either side of the aisle. Yeah. I will work with everybody. And I think that all but one of the Springfield City Council, the majority endorsed by the majority of the Willamette Lane Board Park Board members, endorsed by the majority of the Springfield Public School Board members, endorsed by the majority of the Lane Community College Board members. Um, yeah, it's a pretty broad swath of those that actually work in the community and, and know the work that I do. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it, your campaign has been really effective. It's so hard to tell uh, how something's going because, uh, you know, there's, I mean, I'm sitting here hearing feedback now too. There is um, so much when you like somebody's Facebook profiles. Like I follow you on Facebook and I follow your campaign page and subscribe to the email. And so I see so much stuff. I wonder how much of it gets through to the people that aren't paying attention or don't follow you. You know, know. it's so difficult to know, but I I do think think you've been running a, go ahead. No, I keep interrupting you. I was going to say, I do think that you're running a really good campaign. I do think, yes, today we were pointing out some of the, the things that you have absolute fundamental differences from your opponent, but I do think that it shows in your character what's important and that's continuing the work that you've been doing, you know? And so I'm excited to, to, I, I know you're going to win this. We'll see how it goes, but I, I do not know. Yeah, I do not know. Um, I just got back here. You said you were going to mention this. The reason we had to change the time from a canvas where there were over 30 people, which was pretty gratifying that are going out now and knocking on doors for me. Um, my, my wife and I were not planning at this stage of our life to be doing this. I was never planning to ever run for office. Um, I really, I really believe that the real Springfield values, because my opponent keeps talking about, oh, we're going to fight for Springfield. Well, guess what? We're not fighting for Springfield. We are advocating for the people that live in Springfield. And we're not fighting for the past. We're trying to create opportunities and resources and a, and a livable future, you know, now and moving forward. So, again, um, Maddie and I weren't planning on doing this, but this is an interesting time in our country and our community's history. And I feel that it's a time where, you know, um, I feel I exude Christian charity, right? I mean, last week I was at the baptism of my eight month old, most recent granddaughter. Do I use that as a political thing? No. And I think most people in Springfield are that way. We want to live our lives. We care about other people more than we care about whether they're a Democrat or a Republican. Um, We want our kids to be happy and get a decent education. We want there to be enough housing. We want to create hope and and a sense of purpose and a sense of meaning for our young people. And you can't do that unless you have starter homes that they can start invest. I mean, you, Patrick, we've talked. You're fortunate enough to to have gotten in before the insanity of the housing market. There's so much we can do. Um, My track record has demonstrated that. So all Maddie and I can do is be honest, be transparent, be open, not allow the lies that our opponent is telling 
about us, a smear campaign, define what we're saying. And whether the voters are informed or not, their will will be what determines this. I don't know which way it'll go, but I do know it's an honor to serve. And uh, if we don't win, we'll get along with our life. Um, I don't think that'll be good for our community. I don't think it'll be good for our county, but we'll survive. Um, yeah. So you know, th that's all we can do. Yeah. Many of my campaign workers, I'm, do you have a minute to? Yeah, yeah. Many of my campaign workers have been so upset. They're younger people by the lies, you know, and, and the, just the dirtiness of the smear campaign that, that is being run against us. And here's what I tell them. And here's what I can say to anyone out there listening. You can't control what other people do. You can't control what other people say. All you can do is control your own behavior and your reaction to that so you can sleep with yourself and be good with yourself every night. And so that's all we can do, and that's what we're doing. So I was going to ask you closing thoughts, but I think you kind of just nailed it. I'm just going to ask one more thing, and it's if – I mean, this is the final stretch. So for all of the people that haven't voted yet, I'm going to remind everybody, May 17th is the last day to drop in your ballots. That's 10 days from now. You can do it now. You don't have to wait. You know, I've already voted. I'm just waiting to drop it off. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if you had that last reach for people that were undecided, what would you tell them directly to the voter – on why Joe Bernie is their candidate to continue to reelect Joe Bernie for Lane County Commissioner. Well, it, it's the difference between competence and incompetence. It's the difference between genuinely caring about the public interest and thinking that your own business and private interests are going to take care of all problems from poverty to racism to the environment. Um, it's the difference between a commissioner that created a business-friendly, inclusive climate action plan at the county and a commission and a would-be commissioner that believes all we need to do is leave climate action up to timber companies. And that's not a diss on timber companies. It's a diss on that sort of simplistic thinking. Um, it's the difference, as you mentioned, Patrick, between a wellness first housing earned policy, which excludes people from shelter if they're having issues, and a fundamental difference in a housing first policy that says meet people where they are, provide them with shelter and basic human needs, and work with them to become independent and whole again. Um, for all those and innumerable reasons, the difference is is quite stark, actually. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that worries me the most about some of the options, uh, David Lovell, and then I'm a, I'm a big fan of Mark Molina, who's running for city council and uh, his opponent, Victoria Doyle's. I just don't know if they're going to be as approachable. I have a great relationship with Mark and, and you and I have built a good relationship behind the scenes. And I'm so different than than the kind of person that gets involved in politics. I'm somebody that's rough around the edges. I really didn't pull my head out of my ass until like six years ago, you know? And so it's really cool to be taken serious, even though I get a lot wrong. And I do want to say this. I have a correction from last week. I, I, I spoke out of turn. Thomas Hira and I just had fun kind of riffing about the what's on the ballot. And I'm trying to learn. I, I want to bring entertainment to this podcast, but I also want to bring credibility. And so one of the things that I had said last week was I said that the Springfield uh, Police Department donated to uh, Victoria Doyle. That was wrong. It's the Springfield Police Union. And that would make much more sense 
And I'm learning. And Sean Van Gordon and I had a conversation. And one of the things I'd like to do in the future is I'd like to sit down with the city manager. And I'd like to sit down with with Sean Van Gordon, mayor, nonpartisan seats, really. And I want to learn more about the mechanics of government so that I can spotlight that on my podcast, so that I can show average people that don't know how this works, how it works, and which jobs are, are supposed to do what. You know, because I know county commissioner has their role. The mayor has their role, This, you know, and all these different things. So, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I can get into what, what the county does, but but that's absolutely correct. You know, um, public school, pure opinion here, as an ex-teacher, public schools, right now there's no civics in yeah, public no. school. It's going to be coming back, but that's what you were talking about. Yeah. And really what schools need to, young people leaving our schools need to have developed a work ethic, a service ethic, a citizenship ethic, which is what you're talking about, because you can't have that unless you understand how government works and the fact that people really are the source of any government credibility whatsoever. Um, and ought to have kids that ought to learn to think for themselves and work with others. So, you know, I, I think it's that simple. And I think that, Patrick, honestly, you can play a significant role in the civics education um, that now schools are having to re-engage with yeah. um, and certainly in our community, whether formal or not. It's just it's something, so it's something I want to get right. And I do, re- and you I, know, and I, and I, I do these, your head out of your ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do these episodes and I know that I speak sometimes out of turn and I say things that are inaccurate and I just want people to understand that I'm just trying to do my part and I'm learning and I'm educating myself on this and everybody that's listening gets to witness my education of it. And I'm, you know, there's some vulnerability that I'll put out there that I, what I don't know. A lot of people don't want to admit what they don't know, but I know what I don't know. And it's a lot. No, you don't. You yeah, don't know. Right, right. There's no, there's no knowns. No. Joe Bernie, reelect Joe Bernie for county commissioner. The ballots are in, on your table right now. People fill them out, put it in. Uh, one of the things about doing this live stream is I worry that by playing a song that it's going to, uh, it's going to, like, it'll mute it because if it's copywritten. So, unfortunately, that's going to be only a benefit that the uh, audio users get to have. So, I'm going to end it with a song after this. But, Joe Bernie, thank you so much. Uh, and so, anyone listening, go to strpod.com and find out more about what's upcoming. I'm going to, I might be doing an episode next week, but the following week, I know I'm going to have Leonard Stare on and we'll talk about a kind of a recap of the election. And I'd like to talk to him about how much has changed in Springfield. Now that there's so much more uh, virtual stuff like this and there's more people involved that were not actually in the conversation before and how it looks different. So that'll be an, an interesting conversation. Joe Bernie, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, you thank can get you. back out in the rain and, and knock on more doors. <laughs> Thanks very much, Patrick. Yeah, you have a good day. You too. I'm going to end this with a song. This is me, Patty Rose, featuring Gradient with the song Be You. Ignored and crucified
different <laughs> We laugh cause they are all the same They laugh at us cause they jealous But they will always remember our name You maintain the illusion of common sense I speak truth in the booth when I'm rhyming since For so long I would hate performing The face would say my voice ain't the norm And berate the stuff that outdoes the haters But we love our neighbors in the state of Oregon Open up like the teeth in Letterman Whether you speak with a speech impediment You got honor like a decent veteran So knock knock let the peaceful enter in Spoken fast the broken class Host us back to show you that You're fit to make progress Cause the authentic been the best broadcast I know you saw it on the Spent the Rant podcast They laugh cause we are just 